Imagine being present, calm, and connected while creating a family environment where everyone can thrive. Welcome to the I Am Mom Parenting Podcast, providing inspiration and actionable steps to manifest the meaningful and magical life you desire for you and your family. We are your hosts, Dimple Aurora, founder of Mindful Evolution and Shaista Fateli, founder of Thrive Kids. Thank you for sharing the I Am Mom journey with us. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to our fourth segment on anxiety, where we're going to be talking about you, anxiety within you as a mom. Now, if you're listening to this podcast at a time where the pandemic is happening, there is such an influx of anxiety amongst all of us. There's not only the collective anxiety that we're all bouncing off from, but there's this individual anxiety as well. There's so many things that are happening around in our society and in, well, quite frankly, in our entire planet that we are all experiencing some form of lost um, connection within ourselves, which is thereby causing a lot of anxiety. If you're listening to this post-pandemic, even though some of these initial experiences may be mediated, the long-lasting effects of that will still exist. So this anxiety will still be there. It may look a little different, but nonetheless, these tips and strategies that we give you are going to be beneficial either during the pandemic or post. Yeah, I'm hoping that this is definitely going to be a evergreen episode for us because we're going to give some great tips and talk about a little bit about the research as well behind anxiety. And we are in the third wave of the pandemic right now. And a lot of us are faced with so much uncertainty and uh, heightened anxiety, not knowing when this is going to, when this is going to end or when things are going to go back to quote unquote normal, which they probably um, never will because we're, we've evolved as people, we've developed new habits and new behaviors and, and we are definitely new um, and a new, I guess, as, as we move forward. Right. So what we want to do is uh, learn how to mediate and manage this anxiety. And like we said earlier, we're not here to eliminate it because it is part of our defense mechanism. Our bodies are, are designed this way to help us, uh, help us identify our threats and respond to them. And so our job is to learn how to respond more effectively to what we're feeling. Mm -hmm. And I think in order to be um, responsive to our anxiety, the first thing is to be honest about our anxiety, right? And to really acknowledge that it is there. And you've listened to our first segment of where anxiety comes from. So we're not going to get into all of that. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, it's on our first series of anxiety, first episode. Now, if I say this out loud to you, I'm going to just say this. Think about what you feel. People don't want to hear about my anxiety, right? 
if people really knew what goes inside of me, they're just going to think I'm crazy. Everyone else is able to cope just fine. I can't cope at all. I'm the one who's going crazy. I know that it is just me. When I said that out loud, what were, Dimple, what were the kind of feelings you felt hearing that? I felt like a lot of people, women, especially us moms, feel that way. They feel that everyone else looks like they have it all together and they're the only ones that is that are struggling with anxiety, which is not the truth. Because I'll be honest with you, a lot of times the people who look very, very put together and very biz- busy and who are the overachievers may be suffering with anxiety. It is actually a, um, a response. It's a response when you have anxiety and, and our bodies respond in different ways. It depends on your nature and your constitution of your body. And, and so everyone has some form of anxiety, right? And, and we have to learn to accept that. And it's become this almost taboo taboo thing in our society to you don't want to look like you're falling apart or that you have all this anxiety about the pandemic or or about your kids being home from school or about uh you know maybe you have health anxiety i suffered with health anxiety for years and you know what's interesting about anxiety is sometimes we don't even realize that we have anxiety and we are in complete denial about the anxiety. Yeah, com- totally, right? Like, and I think that it just perpetuates it, I think, right? When we're, I know for me, when I have, when I'm experiencing a lot of anxiety, my go-to is to keep doing, 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 because then I avoid it and I'm not honest with it and I don't have to deal with it. Like, I don't have to deal with these anxious thoughts roaming around in my body and that way I don't have to feel it. And then it just becomes a deeper hole, right? And having this empathy around the idea that we all experience this anxiety means that we can all, no matter who you are, where you're from, can relate to it on some level. Right. And so when I'm having these thoughts, like I said beforehand, I'm not alone in them and Mm -hmm. neither are you. And guess what that means? If we did talk more about it, we would find that others do think the same way or feel the same way. And that these quote unquote, um, almost lies that we tell ourselves that we're the ones going crazy. It's only happening to me. They won't take so much control over us, right? We would get honest with it. And when we are honest with our anxiety, we can also be honest about our anxiety with other people, right? So, I mean, that doesn't mean that you have to tell your your neighbor everything that's going on in your household, but It does mean when you're willing to talk to someone that you trust and just even giving them words, saying words to them, like I am struggling or, you know, when someone asks you, how are you? Instead of saying, I'm 
I'm doing well, just say I'm having a bit of a rough day, right? And just Mm -hmm. being honest about that is really going to help take control of that anxiety. But you know, a lot of people don't realize they have anxiety. So I'll give an example. When 12 years ago, when I left, when I left teaching, what happened was I didn't even realize that anxiety was manifesting itself in my body in the form of tension and digestive issues and different symptoms. I was diagnosed at that time with fibromyalgia at that time, which I feel so grateful to have healed from. But I feel like I didn't have that word back then to describe what I was feeling. So nobody really said to me, oh, this is anxiety or the result of unprocessed trauma or uh, the result of unprocessed emotions. And a lot of times people are walking around not realizing that they have anxiety, right? Because it's actually become a way of being for them. It's become a norm and something that it's so funny because the students used to tell me afterwards that I used to walk around in, in the hallway going from class to class with my books clenched up to my chest. And it, the high school kids seemed so much bigger at that time. They were, you know, no, I think they're, they, they look a lot bigger to us for sure. They're big, right? They're big. And, uh, and I didn't even realize. And then years later, as I was healing myself, I realized that I was holding all this anxiety in my body during those years and had no idea. Right. So it's just, and I see some moms right now who do have anxiety and I can see it very clearly, but they're completely unaware that they have it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think like a lot of those, um, those indicators that we suggested that, that we gave for young children and for adolescents are so true for for moms as well, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, the digestive issues, which you mentioned, the headaches, the trouble concentrating, the perpetuating thoughts, the busyness or avoidance, those are all signs of anxiety, right? And it manifests the same ways as it does for our kids. It may look a little different, but it will manifest physically, like you said, with the tension or the tense mm-hmm. muscles, um, behaviorally with the things that you are or are not doing, and emotionally with the way that you are reacting to. Yeah, and I, a lack of sleep is a big one, right? And what happens is a lot of times, I don't know if this happens to you if you're listening, but... I didn't even realize back then that my anxiety would come out as anger. So it's almost like I was this pressure cooker. And whenever I was too much for me, I would just blow up and snap and have this major anger uh, moment. And it wasn't until later on, I learned that anger there's a lot of stuff underneath anger, right? And I know that there's something called the anger iceberg. And if you can picture an iceberg, but picture the top of the iceberg above the water and below the water is all this unprocessed stuff. So emotions like fear, shame, exhaustion, 
jealousy, rejection, extreme hurt, resentment. There's so many things that could be under there. And it goes for our kids too, right? When they blow up and they have these tantrums. Underneath that anger, there's always some emotion or some need that is not being met. And a lot of times when a mom, maybe you're this mom, yells at yells at their kids a lot, right? So I always say, notice what happens to you before you have that blow up, right? So that you're aware of the triggers, the triggers. So now I'm very aware, like if I'm going to have a moment like that, okay, so I notice my breathing gets more shallow or my chest feels really tight or something happens, right? You become aware of the physical signs and, or maybe you haven't slept right enough, or you're just really tired or something, or there's a person that just triggers you like you're, you know, a grandparent calls that's triggering for you or um, even your child or your spouse becomes the trigger sometimes, right? So when you have these responses or reactions, it's important in order for us to change those reactions, it's important for us to learn what the trigger feels like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure, right? And I think when you're having that, I I mean, it goes back to the awareness piece, Mm -hmm. then you're able to take so much more um, authority around it, right? You're able Mm -hmm. to to implement certain techniques and strategies that prevent you from doing something that you do not want to do or to have that flare up. And I love that. I love that analogy you gave of the iceberg. And it just, you know, just to bring it back to what's happening in today's day and age, I have heard a lot of my friends who are moms, by the way, who have said that they've been so angry during this pandemic, right? And if you look at a lot of the stats, there are a lot of lot more divorces, separations are have mm-hmm. occurred during the this lockdown, right? And it's not because they're sharing so much space together. It's because there's a lot of anger that's coming up. But when you're looking closely, like you mentioned that that iceberg and see what's underneath there, right? So there's that mm-hmm. fear, but there's also all that other stuff that's coming up. Rejection, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. or um, shame or guilt or whatever it is that's coming up and representing itself as anger. But really, there's more to it if you dig a little deeper. Yeah. So one of the important things is to realize what it is that triggers us, right? And and when somebody is experiencing uh, anxiety on a daily basis, you got to really look at what the root cause is. Now, it's easy to go to your doctor and say that you want to be on a medication, right? And it's easy. It's easy to do that these days and get some anti-anxiety medications, right? And what these medications do, a lot of them will uh, increase your GABA, right? So your GABA is, is a neurotransmitter that helps you to feel calm. Or some of the medications, they block your stress hormones, right? That run through the body. So if you're on this higher alert or your body's in a fight or flight state, it'll block some of those stress hormones for you. So you don't feel as anxious, right? Um, 
but there's a lot of ways that you can actually calm your own stress hormones and increase your own GABA, right? And it comes down to doing practical things in your life that will help you to reduce your stress, calm your stress hormones. And, uh, you know, things like uh, movement, right? And grounding yourself, centering yourself at the start of the day and multiple times throughout your day so that you can feel more relaxed, right? Like lack of exercise is a huge one, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's really, really big. And you mentioned these practical coping strategies and these are really, really important to take note of. And we didn't really talk about these practical coping strategies for, for children, but these work for children very, very well. So for example, if it's help that you need in the house, if there's so much overwhelm and you need someone to just do some light cleaning around or you need some help with babysitting and you have the resources to hire out, do it. And if you don't, practically looking at ways in which people can help you, whether it is one of your children helping to pick up the toys, whether it's your significant other helping out with specific chores or an extended family member. So that's a practical way of coping with anxiety. Another really practical strategy that we didn't really talk about that works so well with kids is creating routine, right? And this routine is... So beneficial because it helps with that unknown, that unknown that we were talking about, because you know what's coming next. So, for example, if you are feeling this anxiety around not knowing what's going to come next or, again, feeling so much overwhelm, if you have it almost, I'm not going to say a schedule, because sometimes that kind of you, it's hard to keep a full on schedule. But if you know, a little bit of a routine, at least as to what is coming next, you know, I got to take the kids to school, I got to put the baby down for a nap, or whatever it is, that's going to help alleviate the anxiety. Yeah, like I always keep a journal every day, I know my top three tasks for the day. And everything else that doesn't get done is it's not going to get done. So I just I don't uh, stress about it because I know that, you know, I try to get those three tasks done. Those were my priorities. And if I don't get those three, what happens is we got to be compassionate with ourselves, right? There's a, there's a component of self-compassion that comes with anxiety. And I see uh, a lot of women who are beating themselves up all the time for their anxiety. And that's not the answer because, what we resist is going to persist. We need to become friends, almost becoming friends with that mean girl within us, right? So what is that mean girl saying to you today about your anxiety or about what you didn't or did get done or about what, uh, how much productivity, how productive you are, what you're uh, accomplishing, right? So some days I see people who are debilitated with their anxiety, which we want you to be able to use some of these strategies to move forward. And that mean girl 
really needs to be either we become friends with it or we just, you know, cut her out, right? Like come up with some ways to just surround yourself in your mind with only girls that are going to empower you, right? So managing our thoughts is huge. Mm -hmm. I often actually name the mean girl. So Mm. if I notice that she is coming and telling me that you should have done this or you shouldn't have done that or you need to do this, I'll invite her in and I'll give her a name and I'll just say, hey, I see you. Welcome to the party or welcome to my world or whatever, whatever works for you. And I will just acknowledge her that she's there. That just seems that acknowledgement just seems to quiet her down, right? And Mm. I've actually taught my daughter to do that too. So she's able to identify when her anxiety is coming in and she has a name for her as well. And just um, saying, oh, hi, whatever the name is, right? Could be your like alter ego name, could be anything Mm -hmm. that you decide. But the point is to... um, see that mean girl and invite her in, right? And acknowledge her. You don't have to engage with her, but acknowledge her in there. Yeah. And you know, I look at certain families, right? And some people have a genetic predisposition to anxiety. So I noticed that my daughter does have a genetic predisposition, And you got to look at each individual person, right? You got to look at their, like I said, their constitution and and how they're made up and, and where they come from. So I've taught Adya whenever she's feeling stressed or anxious to take these deep breaths, just take deep breaths to calm the vagus nerve, to get your body into a parasympathetic state. And you can use a statement or a mantra for yourself and say, I am calm and relaxed. And actually, to be honest, that was my mantra for years, for years. Actually, for years, I did the one, I am healing. I started off with, I am healing when I first learned about rewiring my brain and and my subconscious mind. I started with, I am healing. And I remember after that, for years, I would just, I am calm and relaxed. And when I started feeling anxious, I am calm and relaxed, right? And it just became honestly, it eventually becomes who you are. It becomes who you are. You're a calm and relaxed person. And now I have people telling me all the time, you're so calm and relaxed. (laughs) You know what? It totally, that totally works. (laughs) That power of words, right? And how it changes the uh, brain chemistry in your brain and your, in your like neural pathways and transmitters and all of that. Um, And I think that it really helps to enhance this communication with the body, just like you're mentioning, Mm. right? It will enable your body to automatically feel that. Uh, And having these types of techniques, like you mentioned, like having the the mantra or having um, these deep breathing exercises and knowing how to do them um, on a consistent basis Meditation is also another one that really helps. There's some great apps that can help with that. There's Calm, there's Headspace, and they really do help you build stamina around meditation and just needing those few minutes to take to rewire 
that uh, response system, right? That fight or flight response system that you are experiencing in the moment. Meditation is huge. And it's something that I started back in 2014. And it was so helpful for me to, because I decided I wanted to be a calm and relaxed person. I, I looked at members of my family and I thought, okay, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to live my life like that. I want to create a peaceful environment in my home. And I don't want to uh, not be able to manage my emotions and react. I want to be able to respond to my child. So meditation was huge for me. And I even started with mindfulness at one point. Uh, when I was diagnosed with the fibromyalgia, I remember I, it was very difficult to get the help I needed. And one smart doctor actually sent me for a mindfulness program. And that's how I got into mindfulness. How long ago was that? 2010. Wow. So it really, it hasn't come into mainstream vocabulary until maybe 2015. He or or she was quite on the ball. (laughs) Yeah, she was on the ball. And, uh, And that's how I got into this mind body techniques and healing. And I remember the doctor that was running it was a rheumatologist and was so brilliant. And he really took to me. We used to have so many amazing conversations after the classes and it was a lot of energy. I remember to get to the classes because they were in Toronto, but I used to force myself because I felt like there was a pull. There was a calling there for me. I felt like this was a, one of the answers to my situation. Right. And so I just went on that instinct. And, and it, I remember we started, we used to start with meditative movement. So meditative movement like yoga or Tai Chi and, or mindfulness, mindful walking and meditation, they all have proven benefits to increase your GABA, which is the neurotransmitter that helps you to feel calm, right? It decreases your cortisol as well, right? And the other piece was then in 2012 when I got introduced to EFT, So I have a little story about the EFT. What happened was, I mean, I've used it. EFT is called, it stands for emotional freedom technique. And it's when you tap these different comfort points on your body, acupressure points on your body to help you uh, send a calming signal to your amygdala. Okay. And your amygdala is like, helps you to get you out of that fight flight or free state, right? And it helps you to just become more calm and move emotions through your meridian system. I mean, there's so much to it. I would love to do an an entire episode on it. But in 2015, I actually got diagnosed with uh, a UTI. And at that time, I had not taken any prescription medications for about six years at that point. And before that, I was on prescription medications every day for probably my entire life, like since I was little for some whatever ailment it was that I was going through at the time. So in 2015, I was a bit hesitant, but I thought, okay, I'm going to take this antibiotic for this UTI. 
And the antibiotic was called ciprofloxacin. And I took the first pill. And then by the second pill of taking that antibiotic, I started having panic attacks. And I had never had a panic attack in my life. And I didn't even know what it was. And so for about, I would say a few months, I was having these panic attacks. I stopped the antibiotic after the two pills. I, I couldn't take it. I, there, I had many other reactive symptoms to it. And, uh, and I started researching it a lot. So after about four months of research, I found a group where there were tens of thousands of people who had reacted to this antibiotic. And one of the things was panic attacks. And the reason it happened is because that antibiotic depletes your system of magnesium. So magnesium is so important for anxiety. Mm -hmm. right? It's so important for anxiety and, and to help you stay calm, right? It's like, to help you be more relaxed. And you know, when you have muscle tension, you have these magnesium rubs and, you know, that kind of thing. So once I replenished, so I, I got a magnesium spray, and I started using it. And within four days, it's like I was completely healed. Oh my I mean, gosh, wow. yeah, I just, I saturated my body with magnesium and, and I was completely fine after that. You know, that reminds me with, um, even when people are dealing with insomnia, mm -hmm. they will often take magnesium. Absolutely. I didn't, I knew it had a calming effect and I didn't really realize the link to having it depleted in your body through different pharmaceuticals mm -hmm. that can take this magnesium component away from your body that will thereby increase your physical symptoms of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you were able to come to that conclusion and you probably had to go through that in order to share it. So people are aware of it now. Yeah. And you know, I remember though, when I would have those panic attacks before I started saturating my body with the magnesium, I used to just do the EFT, the tapping and the panic attack. I could eliminate it so quickly just from doing the deep breathing and the tapping. It, it just, it was the, the problem is that it was happening so frequently, but as soon as it happened, I was able to alleviate it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's such mind body connection, right? That um, exactly. you were able to really take control of and manifest what you wanted for your body by mm -hmm. using your mind. Yeah. And, and, you know, nutritional deficiencies is huge when it comes to anxiety and especially in teens, the birth control pill also does this, right? It decreases or compromises your body of magnesium and B vitamins, certain B vitamins. So the, I have to talk about this, right? Because I love this topic, but so the B5, vitamin B5, it's, it's your anti-stress vitamin and uh, B6 is like, it supports your GABA production. So when you have anxiety, it's really, uh, really important to get your Bs in. So eating foods that are rich in magnesium and rich in B vitamins is really important. And 
balancing blood sugar is huge with anxiety, right? So eating on time, having foods that keep you full longer, complex carbs, proteins, not simple sugars. Some people eat sugar and a lot of sugar and they notice that their anxiety is through the roof, but it's because they're eating a lot of sugar. And some women will tell me that they had a few glasses of wine and it's great on the night of, but the next day their anxiety is terrible, right? So I want people to realize that what you put into your body, if you're deficient in the things that are going to keep your body calm, the vitamins, the minerals, the neurotransmitters, you are going to have anxiety. So you have to work with the foundational pieces of giving your body the the uh, building blocks it needs to, to prevent that anxiety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is so important. I love what, how you said about the preventative blocks, right? Because even though we all experience anxiety, if we're able to take steps that would help prevent it from overflowing into our daily events, situations, and uh, life goals, then that is something we can take away. That is something we can do. We can do for ourselves. And it's about if you're having trouble eliminating sugar or caffeine, it's about taking these small steps, right? And taking simple steps and mm -hmm. to start with what you can do on a minimum basis every day. Because when you're able to start from what you can do on a minimum basis, you will gradually be able to increase that. And then it will become more of a habit. Exactly. Because you want to be able to incorporate everything into your life. So you don't want to cut out wine or sugar or whatever it is that you enjoy, but you want to learn how to give your body the support it needs so that you're not having those symptoms from these things that you enjoy, right? Mm -hmm. And I also wanted to bring up menstruation. I think it's really important to talk about this too, because a lot of a lot of women who are very, very, very busy, they have a lot of stress hormones going through their bodies at all times. So their cortisol levels are very, very high. And when I made this connection, I became so mindful of how I approached every week during my monthly cycle. So I actually started to, it's like living in flow with the flow, if you get what I'm saying, right? So a week before your period comes, your progesterone hormone will rise, okay? And that keeps you calm. It actually has like a sedative effect. It keeps you calm. But if you are overly stressed, progesterone and cortisol, cortisol is a stress hormone, they compete with each other. So a week before your period, if you're overly stressed or doing too much, what's going to happen is you're not going to have that rise in progesterone that you want to have. And you may have some extreme PMS symptoms as a result because your cortisol has taken over. Okay. So- really interesting. Yeah. And so during perimenopause or near menopause, we have lower levels of progesterone to begin with. And that a lot of women will say that their anxiety has worsened 
in those ages, right? Like near your perimenopause or menopause. But the key to that is to lower your cortisol levels and to do the things like the meditation and the tapping and the exercise and the walking in nature and whatever you need to lower your stress. It could even be intimacy with your partner, things that increase your oxytocin, uh, 20 second hugs with your child, uh, you know, whatever it is that helps you to relax. That is that is so fascinating because oftentimes we are very quick to give either to 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 give a background on what's happening in our bodies or to give strategies on how to deal with what's happening in our bodies. But rarely do we give a full connection. These strategies we are giving you are going to help you because they will lower these cortisol levels that will undoubtedly occur, right? We all have stressors and they are going to occur. But if we have strategies that are going to help us, like you mentioned, the meditation, the going outside, connecting with nature, physical touch and intimacy, then we are able to use it, right? Mm -hmm. Another really good strategy that I just came across is the emotional playlist. Oh, wow. What's that? So I actually didn't know much about this either. I literally just came across it. But Mm -hmm. what it is, is making a playlist of songs that make you feel the way you want to feel can also help you think the way you want to think than to play it, right? Because we do know when we think about it, our emotions are very, very tied to music in particular sounds and cues that music has, right? It can really ignite or trigger a certain response. And so if we are really focusing on using this technique by really looking at songs that evoke a particular emotion that we want to have or make us feel what we want to feel and then put it into a playlist and have it as our emotional playlist, then we can go to it when we need to or put it in, you know, tandem with going outside for a walk or doing the dishes or whatever it is. Um, But I thought that that was a really good strategy because it's something I think people do, but they don't really know that they're doing it. Right. So, yeah, though, that's an excellent one because sound therapy, there's so much research behind sound therapy and reducing stress and reducing cortisol levels. And so that is actually because music, even for little babies in utero is so helpful. So, I mean, there's a lot of strategies we could talk about. There's herbs, there's aromatherapy, there's tons, but I want to emphasize two more here uh, to reduce stress. So one is spending time with the people we love, but our girlfriends, having a circle of women that bring you up, not down is so important. Women that are empowering and who want the best for you and you surround yourself with those type of women, it is going to make such a difference in your anxiety. And I know that sometimes it's difficult for you to get out and make the plans because it you feel anxious even meeting somebody or getting together with your friends. But if you find a group of women that can help you to feel safe, and you know, once you're out with 
like, or connecting in some way, you're going to feel so good. Every time I get together with girlfriends, I mean, I live, I leave feeling like I'm on a high afterwards. Right. So there's also part of a personality. Like some people are more extroverted. Some people are more introverted and some people need that alone time. Instead, they really need the alone time. Yeah. And even I think in that alone time, whether you are introverted or Mm -hmm. extroverted, it's about finding your tribe, right? That's what it really comes down to. It comes down to finding your tribe. People that are similar mindset of you, who you may not like doing the same things, but your mindset is similar, right? And if your mindset is similar, you will have more of a connection. And if I took a look at my closest and most best friends, actually, now that I look at it, I think I am the only one that really likes to run where none of them do. But we are all connected because of our mindset and our value system. And that's why we are a tribe and the trust is there. I'm definitely very introverted myself. But having those moments of connection, as well as moments of solitary connection within my own body and self is what I need, right? And by no means are we saying that all of these strategies are going to work for everyone. We're saying that some of these will work for some of you and It's about practicing and choosing what does work and finding it out. Sometimes you just need to play around with it, right? And take Mm -hmm. a look at what is going to work. And it's also worthwhile to note that anxiety didn't, it just didn't come around, right? You didn't just, it didn't happen overnight and you won't get out of it overnight either, right? So these are thought patterns that are occurring in our in our brains, right? And it is sometimes hard to get out of it, but these strategies are going to help you form these new paths, recreate them so that you do have better thought patterns. And it's going to, it may take time and it may seem like there's small steps, but every step is there to be celebrated, right? And to be patient, to help you see that patience will get you there. Oh, that's an excellent point. And I always think of, of, of my tagline, right? It's transform one thought, one emotion, and one choice at a time. And with that being said, I think that concludes this episode. Uh, there's so much to process here. And I can't stress enough, like heal, heal what you need to heal take a tiny step towards healing. And if anxiety is become something that is a very daily debilitating part of your life, you can, you can learn to manage it and you can heal and, and live a, a, a joyful life that you deserve. Mm-hmm. And will help create this environment where everyone can thrive. Exactly. So thank you for joining us. And we hope that you enjoyed this episode. And please, please 
take this information and use it uh, to help you help yourself or help a friend or, you know, try some of these strategies out. Maybe there's something that maybe a light bulb went off for you today, or there's something that you that really resonated with you. Please share it with us in our Facebook group. And we look forward to talking again. Take care. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the I Am Mom Parenting Journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow us and head on over to iTunes to leave us a review. We invite you to check out the show notes for this episode and click on the link to join our free Facebook community to stay connected and continue the conversation with other like-minded moms. Until next time, stay inspired, take action, and create magic.